Remember the good old days before Microsoft Word had autosave? You'd type up some important document and then your computer would freeze and you'd lose hours of work just because you forgot to hit save? Well, that's what it's like going online without ExpressVPN. Every time you're connected to an unencrypted network, whether it's in an airport, a hotel, a cafe, or anywhere, your online data is not secure. Any person on that same network who knows what they're doing can gain access to your personal data. Bank logins, credit card details, passwords, all the stuff you don't want people seeing. Unfortunately, hacking has become much easier than it used to be. People don't even have to be exceptionally skilled to do it, and there's a lot of money to be made by selling your information on the dark web. ExpressVPN stops hackers from stealing your data by creating a secure, encrypted tunnel between your device and the internet. It's incredibly easy to use. Once the app is running, you literally click one button to get protected. And it works on your phone, laptop, tablet, and more, so you can stay protected on the go. I've been using ExpressVPN for a little while now, and I can rest easy knowing my info is safe and secure. I've heard horror stories of people who've been hacked, and it sounds like a massive pain to try to get any resolution in the aftermath, so I am not interested in finding out what that process is like. Secure your online data today by visiting expressvpn.com slash slashfilm. That's E-X-P-R-E-S-S-V-P-N dot com slash slashfilm, and you can get an extra three months free. expressvpn.com slash slashfilm. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Slash Film Daily for June 28th, 2018. On today's episode, we'll talk about the latest film and TV news and also go into the mailbag to talk about the title of Spider-Man Homecoming 3. This is Slash Film Editor-in-Chief Peter Schrader, and joining me on today's podcast is Slash Film Senior Writer Ben Pearson. Hey, what's going on? And writers Y. Tran Bowie. Hey, everyone. And Chris Evangelista. Hello. Okay, guys, before we get into this, uh, yesterday on the podcast, uh, we didn't have a podcast. We ran my interview, my spoiler interview with Colin Trevorrow uh, and uh, talking about Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom. At the end of that interview, he uh, I did ask him because he did make this uh, – he tweeted out a comment to someone that uh, his movie, The Book of Henry, which I still have not seen, is a carbon copy of A New Hope. So, uh, you know, Chris in the Slash Film Slack suggested I ask him about that. And I, I had one last minute with him in the interview, and I asked him, and uh, you heard uh, the result – uh, yesterday on the podcast. And we also wrote an article about it on SlashFilm.com. Uh, unfortunately, I, I feel like a lot of people aren't even reading this article. They're just looking at the headline, which is, you know, Colin Trevorrow explains why the Book of Henry is a carbon copy of Star Wars A New Hope, which, yes, very easy to mock. Uh, but I think his, uh, his explanation is, uh, is, is fun and interesting um it's not uh maybe i i think a lot of people are thinking that he's taking this a little bit too seriously i think i i honestly think it's a it's a party trick for him do you know what i mean it's a joke and i i think he ends it off with that but i, I the, the most interesting thing in his answer to me i think is the idea that uh our foundational myths might be changing that like you know a lot of people like george lucas were basing the the story archetypes and in structures on joseph campbell's uh hero with a thousand faces and now you know this generation is basing their foundational myths on you know the movies they grew up with the stories that they love like star wars and stuff and i i think that's uh fascinating um i, I wanted to hear what you guys thought of this <laughs> I mean, I th- I think his answer uh, 
makes a sort of sense. I mean, at the very least, I like that he was able to back it up. Like, it wasn't just, like, some sort of bullshit thing he said on Twitter. Like, he has a legitimate, at least, you know, from his point of view, answer or explanation for it. And, uh, you know, I- I've said in the past, I'm not a fan of <laughs> Colin Trevorrow's work in general, except for safety not guaranteed. But I do think his heart is in the right place. He just kind of... He tends to stumble over his words maybe a little, and people tend to get a little upset about that online. I mean, I'm sort of right there with Chris. I, I really, really enjoy Safety Not Guaranteed, and I also, like Chris, uh, enjoyed the first Jurassic World to some extent and did not enjoy this most recent one. So um, I, you know, with all of that said, I think uh, you sort of wrapped it up pretty well there, Peter, in your intro. I mean, it's like he he knew that he was sort of going to get raked over the coals for this because of the way the internet works and people don't read the story all the time. But uh, at the same time, yeah, like, you know, his comment, it makes a lot of sense. So it's a ridiculous thing. So people are going to be like, what the hell is this? And especially, you know, compounded with the fact that he's not a generally well-liked person on film Twitter. Uh, of course, it's going to generate this response. My favorite thing, and you could hear it in the audio that we played yesterday, and maybe it doesn't come through in the transcript that was on the site, but when I asked him about this, you could hear the hesitation and all the <laughs> scenarios playing out in his head and knowing that this is not going to go any good way. Uh, HG, any final thoughts? Uh, yeah, we kind of baited him, didn't we? But he was also yeah. the one who put that on Twitter in the first place. Um, I've spent a lot of time jumping on Colin Javaro just because I was not a fan of of the first Jurassic World, but I do feel kind of bad for him in this case, just because it seems in the interview that he gave that he just seems really passionate about this movie, uh, the quality aside, and um, you know he just he he uh, just want approach from the sort of like a a pure if misguided approach. So I do feel a little bad. I'm like, oh, this I'll give you a pass for this one, Colin Trevorrow. Yeah. And I, I don't know. I, I also think that this kind of just shows, you know, the culture that we're in now. A lot of the replies I'm getting on Twitter, clearly they haven't even clicked through and read the the, the quotes. They're just dumping based on the headline alone. Uh, but anyways, I just wanted to talk about that briefly. Let's – um. The other day, uh, they announced the title of Spider-Man Homecoming sequel, which is Spider-Man Far From Home. And we learned uh, from HT that the the home uh, word is going to be used in this whole Spider-Man trilogy by Marvel Studios and Sony. So I put it out there and I was questioning uh, the readers and listeners to you know submit their ideas for the Spider-Man Homecoming 3 movie, which would obviously have home in the title in some way and we got a a lot of responses i wanted to read a couple of them or a few of them for you guys here um a ton of people submitted spider-man homeward bound i don't think that's gonna work uh a couple people submitted spider-man homework but i'm not sure disney would (laughs) would would disney like name a movie homework like who wants to go see a movie called homework (laughs) um uh, a couple people suggested leaving home as it could be about him going away to college uh, because we know that third film is going to be in his senior year. Although in the comics, he went away to Empire State University, which isn't that far. It's in the city. So I don't think that really works. Uh, the movie planet joked Spider-Man Miles from home and spelling Miles like the way you spell Miles Morales. Uh, 
Boss Logic, who does these incredible fan posters, made a fan poster for a movie called Spider-Man Homies, which showed Peter and Miles, which I will link in the show notes. you got to check it out. Uh, i got a bunch more. I'm sorry. Uh, this is going long. Uh, Chase D., who is an avid listener, jokes uh, that it could be Spider-Man homeschooled, as Aunt May has just had enough of his shenanigans, and she's taking over the teaching duties, and it's all about him <laughs> trying to like find a way to escape and, you know. Uh, save the city from crime. Uh, Taylor B suggested Spider-Man Homestretch or Spider-Man Home Alone, uh, which I think is interesting because the first Spider-Man Homecoming was so based on John Hughes' uh, comedy. So maybe. I don't know. Probably not. Get Joe Pesci in there as a villain <laughs> and I'm sold. <laughs> uh, Will Wallace, who reads the site, uh, he was a writer for the show Teen Wolf, suggested Spider-Man No Place Like Home. Uh, because it would round out the trilogy. I think that is actually pretty solid. And uh, James V jokes home for good, uh, because by then Disney will have bought Sony. Probably not. <laughs> uh, Miles McNutt, who is a, uh, who has appeared many times on Slash Filmcast, uh, jokes Spider-Man home for the holidays, and it will come out in Christmas 2021. And uh, it should also be noted that Amazing Spider-Man Volume 1 by J. Michael Straczynski, was titled Coming Home. So, uh, you know, in the past, Marvel has stolen a lot, or not, you know, adapted many of the titles from the comic books to the movies, uh, even when, like, the stories really aren't an adaptation of that book. So maybe it could be Coming Home. Uh, I, I want to go quickly to all of you guys. Uh, which of these titles do you think is the most likely or funniest? Uh, ben, <laughs> we'll start with um... you. Hmm. Uh, I mean, I kind of like Spider-Man homeschooled um, just because it, it would get theoretically it would get Aunt May more involved and uh, more Marissa Tomei is always a good thing in my mind. HT, do you have any thoughts? I like Miles from home because that's a nice sort of succession. That that would be cool. You know, it is interesting if you look at the like Sony hacked emails from what I get of it. uh um, Disney could make a Miles Morales Spider-Man movie without Sony. At least this is what I read in the emails, and they were even threatening it when they were uh, trying threatening to. It. Yeah, well, they were threatening like you know if you don't if we can't you know get this deal with Peter Parker and you know do a collaboration like you know we might just make our own Miles Morales movie. Now, of course, they can't use Spider-Man in the title of that movie, but um, it would be interesting because after this uh, trilogy. Theoretically, Sony has retains the rights to the Spider-Man movies, so maybe introducing Miles Morales in the live-action films in the third of this trilogy gives you know Marvel a way to go with this into the future. Um, if Sony decides not to, you know, continue their pr- producing agreement, uh, Chris. What do, uh, do you have any favorites? I don't know if I like any of these, but uh, maybe I would go with Spider-Man Home Fries because home fries are delicious. <laughs> Uh, I'm not sure how that would work into the story, Chris. Don't lie. You would go see a film called Spider-Man Home Fries. Everyone would go see it. What if it's like <laughs> in the posters, how in the in Homecoming he was eating a burger. And right. This, the next one he'll be eating, I don't know, a pizza. And then it'll, com- it'll complete the trifecta of just good street food. <laughs> fries. Wasn't there a movie called Home Fries with uh, Drew Barrymore? Am I... I- think so <laughs> okay I, I, i'm sorry we're getting way off topic let's get into the news uh let's start off with the most insane 
or one of the most insane promotions at uh, San Diego Comic-Con in the history of Comic-Con. Uh, ben, you wrote this up for the site. involves uh, Demolition Man and Taco Bell. Yeah, so Demolition Man's 25th anniversary is this year. And for those who don't know, it's a movie that came out in 1993. Uh, it stars Sylvester Stallone and um, Wesley Snipes. And uh, Stallone plays a cop who is framed by Snipes, who plays a uh, like a terrorist in the movie. And they're both cryogenically frozen. And then um, Wesley Snipes' villain is sort of awoken in the year 2032. And uh, by that point, society has evolved to the point where violence has no longer been a thing for decades and the police department is wildly unequipped to handle such a, a terrorist wreaking havoc on the city so they of course defrost the one man who can take him down and it's and it's stallone uh you know it, it's very ridiculous it's it's one of those movies that is somehow terrible and wonderful at the same time it's it's really awful but yet kind of awesome uh but anyway so to to celebrate the 25th anniversary of Demolition Man, uh, there's a Comic-Con pop-up coming to San Diego next month, uh, and it involves Taco Bell. And in the movie, uh, this is baked into the plot where... Um, it, Taco Bell is the only B- movie. In? To, is that a yeah. <laughs> Basically, yes. Uh, Taco Bell is the only uh, franchise, fast food franchise, to survive what is called the franchise wars in the film. And that means that every restaurant in the future is now Taco Bell, even really high-class places. So uh, Stallone, uh, his character, acts very befuddled when he uh, hears this news, as would anyone. But uh, but yeah, that's like it's one of the most blatant pieces of product placement I've ever seen in a movie. It's extremely shameless and totally ridiculous, but it's very memorable. That's one of the big things about this movie that people remember is that, oh yeah, they you know joke about how Taco Bell is every restaurant in the future. So Warner Brothers is bringing a Taco Bell pop-up to right outside of the convention center in San Diego, and they're going to have free food um, from 6 p.m. to midnight uh, at this address, and you can find out more about it at SlashFilm.com. But uh, Taco Bell also announced that they're bringing back their nacho fries, which they took off the menu earlier this year, and they're supposed to be nacho fries at this pop-up as well. Um, There might be some sort of bigger demolition man reunion planned because wesley snipes is actually going to be at this year's convention so maybe they could get stallone or sandra bullock who had a a role in this movie when she was uh, an up-and-coming actress maybe they'll come and do some sort of surprise panel or something like that that would be a lot of fun but uh but yeah there you go and because it's comic-con to get those nacho fries you'll have to wait in line overnight from the day before and uh yeah no uh <laughs> they do say that that no badge is required to get into this uh this uh, pop-up so i guess that helps for people who just happen to be in san diego and are big demolition man fans yeah it's probably going to be mobbed i i assume you're gonna have to wait a few hours for this kind of thing by the way have you ever heard what you have to do like every year at comic-con lego gives away minifigs like these exclusive minifigs that you can't get elsewhere and they sell for like hundreds of dollars and you have to wait in line like overnight in this line to get a chance to get one and when in the morning at comic-con they open up the line and you go up to this button and you press the button and it either says yes or no wow so you could wait out overnight be first in line and get that uh you know that red light Jeez. Uh, anyways, I'm sorry. I don't know. I'm, I'm getting sidetracked here. By the way, Chris, 
your uh, home fries title, you are not the only person to come up with this. Uh, Another slash film reader actually responded, a guy named Doc, and he said it was going to be called Tasty Home Fries, in which Peter becomes a foodie blogger. Okay, anyways. (laughs) Uh, DC has unveiled a super new digital streaming service uh, offering more than just original shows. HT, what is going on here? So DC Entertainment has officially unveiled the details of its new digital streaming service, which is going by the name DC Universe. And as we've been reporting for the past year since it was first announced, it's going to be featuring all sorts of new original live action and animated shows, including Titans, Doom Patrol, Swamp Thing, Young Justice Outsiders, and Harley Quinn. But that won't be the only thing it will be featuring. So in addition to those uh, that wealth of uh, original shows, which are sure to expand in the coming months, um, they will. The DC Universe will be offering a deep archive of classic D- DC movies and TV shows, as well as a comic book reader, a digital comic book reader, to be exact. So um, this will be launched in the fall of this year. But before it gets officially launched, uh, they are doing some beta testing starting this August, which fans can sign up for uh, through a link that is in the article that I wrote. Um, this sounds interesting because Marvel has their Marvel Unlimited service, but this seems like mm-hmm. it's going to be offering much more than that. Uh, and in addition to that, not just comics and shows, but they're like launching like an encyclopedia that will help yeah. you kind of like link, uh, you know, arcs in the the uh, the comic titles, the movies and stuff like that, which is exciting to me because the one thing I feel like that is missing from the Marvel unlimited app is kind of like an entry point like you really don't know where to start like i can search ant-man and see all the ant-man comics in the history that are on that app but i don't know like what the the best starting points are um yeah they're trying to make it like a one-stop shop because there's going to be the encyclopedia a merchandise shop and also a fan community forum so they're basically trying to keep draw you in and keep you there just watch tv shows and movies and read comics all day in this app which you can also stream on your tv will one of the forums on the forum be the release the snatter cut forum <laughs> where everybody just like says hateful evil things to people and uses the hashtag release the snatter cut i mean probably which would probably be populated by bots just saying release the snatter cut to each other like endlessly at, at an infin- infinitum <laughs> I mean, maybe the fact that you'll have to pay for the service means that they'll not have that. But because I'm, I'm assuming a lot of these people do not uh, would not do that. You would not pay to do that. But I could nope. be wrong. Um, OK, let's move on to Edgar Wright. Uh, he has said in the past that he would be up for a Baby Driver sequel. And in a recent post, he teases that it could be coming soon. Ben, what do we know? Yeah, so this morning, uh, Edgar Wright took to Twitter and uh, tweeted out a poster that says Happy Birthday Baby on it. And he said, Baby Driver was released one year ago today. I had a wild ride with it in the last 365 days. So I thank you all for your beautiful responses. It means everything. And who knows, maybe he could get back on the road soon, dot, dot, dot. So uh, sort of teasing a sequel there. So, yeah, it's been a year. And uh, actually, back in December, uh, Wright was talking about how he the deal was being hammered out as, you know, as we speak. And that, again, that was in December. So it seems like this is something, you know, as opposed to Jordan Peele, who we were recently recently talking about, uh, has not fully committed to making Get Out 2 yet. It seems like 
Baby Driver 2 is actually going to happen. Uh, Wright also said at that point that he was going to at least write a second one. So we're not sure if he's going to come back to direct it yet or not. But I kind of hope that he does. And and I have to say, like, after walking out of Baby Driver the first time, I was not really interested in seeing a sequel because I wanted to see what other um, interesting, original, fresh projects Edgar, Edgar Wright was going to make. But at this point, I think Baby Driver 2 might actually help because the original movie is now somewhat tainted by the presence of Kevin Spacey. So, um, you know, all of the sexual assault and and harassment uh, accusations that came out against him and he basically like admitting to a lot of them and he's sort of dropped off the map. Um, So I feel like Baby Driver, you know, it's hard for people to rewatch that movie because of his uh, because of Kevin Spacey's presence. So making a new movie and continuing that cool style of, you know, editing to the music that that really um, identified that first film and and made it stand out so well might do uh, do wonders for the Baby Driver name, I guess. See, I I feel like I want I I feel like I feel like what you felt coming out of the movie. I want Edgar to do another original film, but if he is going to do baby driver two, I want to see it be an all out musical. Do you know what I mean? I want to see it yeah. like actually make that huge leap. You know, it, 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 it was steps, you know, it, it kind of had a musical element, but I want to see it make the huge leap. You know, after Ben has talked about it, I'm kind of on board now just because I do like the characters. And I think that, we could you could do something fun with it. I'm always a fan of Edgar Wright's work, so I probably will watch anything that he does, um, even a sequel. So I mean, he's done like unofficial sequels too. So I think if he if he wants to do it and he has ideas for it, then yeah, I'm on board. But my question is like, what would the sequel even be about? Because he kind of has, you know, uh, he didn't want to. I mean, like it it seems like he you know getting out of. Spoilers for Baby Driver Two, Baby Driver One, <laughs> but getting out of jail, it seems like he would be leaving the life of crime behind. Uh, Chris, do you have any ideas for a Baby Driver sequel? No, I don't really know what that would be. I mean, I'm sure they, you know, they'll come up with something like, you know, he's he's forced back into this life, but it just seems a little derivative. So I don't know, but uh, I really don't know. I don't know how I even feel about a sequel to this because. If Edgar Wright's writing it and not directing it, I will definitely have no interest in seeing it because Baby Driver is only really good because of Edgar Wright's direction. I mean, his direction is what makes that film work for me. Uh, you know, if you take him out of the equation, that film is kind of thin. There's not really a lot to it. So uh, uh, it's really depends on if he's directing or not. That will interest me. And I also think like... Um... You know, now that he has the girl, like, I feel like the motivation for him driving again would have to be, you know, they would have to, uh, quote unquote, fridge her or, you know, kidnap her. Uh And that's not something I want to see happen. But I feel like here's here's an idea, Peter. What if uh, the very end of the movie where it shows them reuniting after uh, prison is actually just an imagine, you know, that was in his imagination? And what if the second film picks up with Lily James's character breaking him out of prison because she's gotten into some sort of trouble and needs his driving skills. And and it basically just sort of cuts off the, the very end of the movie and continues the story from there. Okay, Ben, you sold me. I'm in. (laughs) (laughs) I I will use my AMC a list pass to see this movie. 
There you go. <laughs> um, okay, let's move on to a big story that broke today, and that is that the the co-writer of Solo, a Star Wars story, Jonathan Kasdan, is writing Indiana Jones 5. Oh, uh, yeah, so David Coep, uh, who wrote uh, Crystal Skull, and he wrote several other Steven Spielberg films like Jurassic Park and War of the Worlds, was originally supposed to write um, Indiana Jones 5, but now uh, reports indicate that Jonathan Kasten, son of uh, Lawrence Kasten, is writing the script instead. Um, it's not entirely clear what this means. Uh, you know, the, the original report doesn't indicate if they're starting from scratch, if he's just rewriting what David Coop wrote, or if he's just doing a polish. But either way, he's now in charge of the screenplay for the fifth Indiana Jones film. And it kind of brings things full circle, of course, because uh, his father, Lawrence Kasdan, wrote Raiders of the Lost Ark, the first Indiana Jones film. So they're they're keeping it in the family, so to speak. Yeah, I know. It, it seems kind of obvious in that lineage type of way. But uh, I'm wondering, you know, also, this has this film has a release date right now, right? It'll be out in July 2020 is, is what they're projecting. So I would think that this has to be a rewrite of David's script. Um, you know, I, I, I liked Star uh, Solo Star Wars Story, and I liked Jonathan Kasdan's uh, directorial debut, which I saw at Sundance um, a few years back. I, uh, I have faith in it, although Solo does sometimes go for the more obvious things I'm, I'm hoping that you know uh Kasten doesn't bring that to to indie um yeah it's so hard to judge uh solo because there was so much turmoil uh, in terms of what was going on behind the scenes in that movie and it, it's hard to know who brought what to it exactly but uh, like you peter i saw the first time which is jonathan Kasdan's um directorial debut i think it came out in like 2012 or something and i really liked that movie so i i'm you know i i definitely am excited about uh, him coming on board to write this. I think that uh, it's got to be better than Crystal Skull, which is a movie that I, I really don't care for. I know it has some defenders online uh, and, and and those numbers seem to have grown in recent years, but I really just, I can't bring myself to enjoy that movie as much as I tr- really try. So I feel like there's nowhere to go but up. HC, do you have any thoughts on this? Uh, yeah, I'm not sure what to think yet, just because... Uh, Jonathan Kasdan is still pretty untested. He's still kind of in the the shadow of his father, so to speak. So, um, and yeah, only one place to go is up after Crystal Skull. And I was severely disappointed in that film. So hopefully it'll be better off. Yeah, David Cope has been hit or miss for me. I mean, sure, he did do Jurassic Park, but he also wrote, uh, I think, The Lost World, maybe even Jurassic Park 3. No, he didn't do Jurassic Park 3. He uh, wrote the original Mission Impossible. He did War of the Worlds, uh, the original Spider-Man, Jack Ryan, Shadow Recruit, Angels and Demons. So it's all over the place. Uh, So, you know, I'm happy uh, seeing uh, someone new getting getting a chance to, to lend their voice to this franchise. And uh, I don't know. One thing, uh, I'm not sure if everybody here has read this, but there was like this transcript of this original um, story group that got together to basically come up with the idea of Indiana Jones and Raiders of the Last Ark and basically create Indiana Jones. And it was Steven Spielberg, Lawrence Kasdan, and uh, George Lucas. There might have been someone else in that group, but like the the transcript is online. It's like this like forty page thing, and it, it's just like this great thing where like you know 
we need him to be afraid of something. What could he be afraid of? What about snakes? And it's just like it's almost like being in the room as you're seeing one of the most iconic characters in the history of cinema being created. It'll be linked in the story by the time you hear this. Uh, but let's move on from Indiana Jones to Facebook. Uh, Facebook is testing an algorithm that will protect all of us from spoilers. HD, what do we know? So um, earlier this year, it was reported that Facebook was planning to introduce a spoiler filter to its newsfeed to protect um, avid TV watchers and movie watchers from the spoilers that will inevitably flood their feeds after the latest Game of Thrones episode comes out or Avengers Infinity War gets a million articles written about it uh, months after the movie's release, but yeah, we still get yelled about it. Anyways, um, <laughs> uh, Facebook is now testing that algorithm that will protect, um, that you can, allows you to filter out um, keywords uh, from that are spoiler, that are tied to spoilers from your feed. So for example, it's called Keywords News. And if, for example, if you want to avoid spoilers for the end of Avengers Infinity War, you would simply block out the term Avengers Infinity War ending and all posts or headlines that may you may mock later on will uh, get blocked from your feed for 30 days. So for now, there's only a limit of 30 days, um, but you there probably will be more features added as they test this out. So this is good for TV shows. So like if the end of Westworld is coming up or Game of Thrones, you could put Game of Thrones or Westworld in there and kind of snooze from that. I mean, this is something that Twitter has had for a while now. So is there any difference here? Uh, not really. It looks very much like the Twitter mute options in which you can just mute uh certain words and those tweets won't appear on your timeline at all. Uh, although this is temporary as opposed to Twitter, which you have to manually control it. I still don't understand why Twitter and Facebook have not come up with a spoiler tag or like some kind of way of, you know, a hashtag that will like make the, you know, the text that follows that hashtag invisible unless you click on it. Like that mm -hmm. just seems like such an easy thing to do in the UI. And I feel like, I know there are a lot of jerks out there, but for the most part, you know, people in my feed are, are considerate and I think they would use such a thing. But uh, I don't know. Maybe, maybe that is not uh, in their benefit. They want more people talking and, you know, hiding uh, content is probably not uh, in their benefit. Uh, let's talk about another big bit of news that hit today, and that is that the Steven Spielberg produced Halo TV series is coming to Showtime and starts filming in 2019. Yeah, so Showtime announced today that they are adapting the mega popular Xbox video game series Halo into a TV show, and it's going to start production early next year. Um, Kyle Killen, who is the showrunner of shows like Awake and Lone Star, is going to executive produce, write, and serve as the showrunner. And Rupert Wyatt, who directed Rise of the Planet of the Apes, is going to direct multiple episodes of this show. Um, Showtime, right out of the gate, ordered 10 hour-long episodes for its first season. And it's going to basically just be an adaptation of the, <clears throat> excuse me, the popular video game where it says a... Uh, Let's see. In its, in its adaptation for Showtime, Halo will take place in the universe that first came to be in 2001, dramatizing an epic 26th century conflict between humanity and an alien threat known as the Covenant. Halo will weave deeply drawn personal stories with action, adventure, and a richly imagined vision of the future. So this is pretty big news because a Halo show 
we've seen some like digital features like uh, like web series and some live action stuff uh, in the Halo universe before, but nothing on this scale. Um, David Nevins, who is the president and CEO of Showtime, said that this is going to be the network's most ambitious series ever, which seems like a pretty big statement considering they just uh, aired David Lynch's Twin Peaks The Return. So, um, yeah, this is going to be a pretty big deal when it comes out. Okay, the, the the weird thing here is that this is Showtime. Like, you know, this is the network that does Billions and Homeland and uh, The Affair. I, I mean, I know that this is going to have a bigger budget than those shows, but I just wouldn't think of Showtime as being the place for a video game, you know, sci-fi show. Uh, I mean, I, I would not have guessed that they would be the, the home for this either. But like I said, Twin Peaks The Return is uh, is one of the craziest, um, most ambitious sort of uh, like most visionary pieces of television that I've seen, I think, in my life. Um, and, and Showtime, you know, devoted the, the time and money to David Lynch for him to get that done. So maybe they're trying to, um, but that, I don't know, step it up in a big way. I feel like, you know, this is definitely going to get them a hell of a lot of new subscribers, and that's got to be what they're aiming for, right? Yeah. I mean, but even Twin Peaks is in their, like, wheelhouse. It's like this elevated, you know, stuff that appeals to more intellectual audiences. I, I just feel like this is so out of their wheelhouse, and I feel like, you know, the creative executives at Showtime – this, you know, do they even play Halo? Like, I feel like, uh, I, I feel like the people that you know program this network would, would it just, I don't know. I'm as baffled as you are, Peter. <laughs> I don't, I don't really know what this show is going to look like now that it's on Showtime. Uh, maybe it'll be something else entirely, and we are just have our own ideas about what Halo is. Well, all these networks are looking for their own Game of Thrones, and that's what they're trying to position this as uh if they can succeed i am a little skeptical let's move on to stephen king we're in the king of Sons, and the boogeyman will visit your closet with help from a quiet place writers chris what do we know uh yeah so the boogeyman is a short story by stephen king and uh as we all know now thanks to 2017's it which was a big box office hit uh, studios everywhere want in on this Stephen King action. So more and more uh, novels and short stories are being greenlit as films or remakes or TV shows. And this is the latest one. And uh, Scott Beck and Brian Woods, who wrote A Quiet Place, are going to write the screenplay for this. Um, yeah, I mean, that's, that's, that's the gist of it. Uh, I've, I've read this story like I've read most Stephen King stories, and it's good, and it's it's pretty creepy, but it's also very short. So I'm not really sure how they're going to make a movie. They're going to have to expand on it a lot. But uh, if done right, this could be pretty creepy. Well, some of the better Stephen King movies have been based on short short stories, but not this short. Um, so, no, yeah. Uh, do, you, uh, do you think the writers of A Quiet Place are the right people to tackle this? Uh, I think they are because A Quiet Place is a very well-written uh, screenplay. It's it's uh, almost airtight, I would call it. So I have faith they can they can pull this off. Okay, let's move on to our last and final story, and that involves the Top Gun sequel. Maverick is looking to cast the son of Goose. Ben, you wrote this up for the site. What do we know? 
Yeah, so The Hollywood Reporter came out with a story that says the search for uh, one of uh, Top Gun Maverick's new stars has been narrowed down to three actors. They're looking to cast the son of Goose, who is uh, was played by Anthony Edwards in the original movie, and he was uh, Tom Cruise's wingman, his, his RIO. I don't remember exactly what that stands for, radio information officer or something. He's basically like the guy in the back of the jet, uh, in the fighter jet. Um, and so Miles Teller, Nicholas Holt, and Glenn Powell are the three uh, up-and-coming actors who are uh, in contention for this part of the Son of Goose. So we saw this character very briefly as a young child in the original movie that came out in 1986. Uh, Meg Ryan plays the mom, so maybe she could come back in some capacity. We know that Tom Cruise is coming back. Obviously, Joseph Kaczynski, who uh, directed Cruise in Oblivion, is directing this film and we know that Val Kilmer's Iceman is also coming back so it seems like it's going to be a big reunion in that regard um yeah I, I mean personally I feel like Glenn Powell is probably the best fit for this character even though we don't know from this report what exactly you know what kind of role this is going to be it seems like it's a it's a hotly contested part so it seems like it's going to be more than just a quick cameo kind of thing so um, I, I like Glenn Powell a lot. I think he has that easygoing vibe that Anthony Edwards had in the original, and he has a lot of range. You know, we've seen him in, like, Everybody Wants Some, and he was just in that Netflix rom-com uh, Set It Up, I think it's called. Uh, I haven't seen that one yet, but it's in my queue. Um, Nicholas Holt, who's been in, like, the X-Men movies, would probably be my second choice, and Miles Teller would be a very, very distant third place for me. But I, I sort of fear that Miles Teller might actually be the one who gets this part because he recently worked with Joseph Kaczynski, the director of this film, on a firefighter movie called Only the Brave that came out last year. So we'll see what happens. But uh, but yeah, Son of Goose coming to Top Gun 2. You know, I, I was such a fan of Miles Teller, but he's become so obnoxious to me for some reason. Like he, And I feel like in the role of Goose, who is kind of the sidekick character, I feel like he would be overwhelming. I, he he's not a good sidekick. Yeah, I'm on the same boat as you. I was like, I was a fan of Miles Teller back in Whiplash, but his just persona became really obnoxious and uh, grating. And um, I think he would definitely like swallow the role whole. Uh, and so I I like uh, Glenn Powell a lot. I think that's my also my first choice. Miles Teller maybe could redeem himself. I don't know. I think Nicholas Holt is kind of just a little bit bland. I'm not really sure what he could do with it, but. Um, yeah, I think that those those two would be my my choices. I think. Yeah, bland is the best uh, word to describe him. Uh, but we have hit the end of Slash Film Daily for today. Uh, I'll put this at the front here. If you guys are enjoying this podcast, please go to iTunes, give us a rating, give us a review, uh, give us five stars. Uh, we could use it. it helps. Uh, spread the word and uh, get get us out there. Uh, if uh, you want to find this podcast, you can find it every weekday, published on Slash Film and on all the popular podcast apps. That includes iTunes, Google Play, Overcast, Spotify. Uh, please feel free to send us your feedback, questions, comments, concerns to us at peter at slashfilm.com. And uh, like today, sometimes we use it on the show. Uh, and uh, spread the word. Tell your friends. We'll see you tomorrow. <laughs>